Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and this week, at least for the first part of this episode, I am joined by my good friend, Manda. Welcome, Manda. Hello, it's fun to be on again. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, I like having you on as someone who isn't just ass deep in the comic book world like me and Josue <laughs> are. It's nice to get like a common perspective on some things. And uh, with this week, I thought it was a really good week to do that. So um, we're, we'll get into why in a moment. But <laughs> first, I got a little bit of news we're going to talk about. Uh, the first thing is there's a new book coming from Boom Studios from Tom King and Peter Gross, which is called Animal Pound. Um, it is going to be based on Animal Farm, and it's a modern retake of the story. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds really interesting. Um, it says it's a it's updated version for 21st century America, where a two party system gives way to fear and fascism. Which I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty. Sick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to get that. Tom King is like a really, really good writer, so I'm excited for that. Nice. Um, the other one, and I, I knew Mando would be very interested in this, is that. Kevin Smith has announced that he is auctioning off large portions of his personal comic book art collection. Oh, wow. Okay. For, for charity. Um, it's going to be uh, a portion of it's going to go to the scholarship fund for the Joe Kubert school, which is a, an art school in New oh, Jersey. Nice. And uh, yeah, basically he's just reducing the amount of like wall space he has. So he has to get rid of some of this. Uh, a couple of the big ones are, um, there's a Green Arrow cover art from issues one through twelve of uh, the Matt Wagner run. They run for about three thousand to fifteen hundred each, um, oh. and then a original page from Daredevil one sixty one done by Frank Miller, which is estimated to cost up to forty thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, so, <laughs> wish I was rich. Uh, so, but that's really cool. I, I, you know, like, hey, he has to get rid of some space and instead of just hoarding it like I do. He's like, hey, let's let's do some charity out of it. I like that. <laughs> Next thing, and this is this might be the motivation, guys, that I need. Uh, Marvel ha- has announced a collaboration with Six to Start which is a fitness app creator, in case you don't know. And they have a new creation called Marvel Move, which is a Marvel-themed fitness app. Hmm. It brings beloved Marvel characters such as Thor, Loki, the X-Men, Hulk, and Doctor Strange directly to the fitness routine of its users, allowing them to customize their workouts, intensify sessions with thrilling chases, and track activities on various terrains. Uh Sounds interesting. I'll probably do it for about a week. <laughs> but you know, there's also a subscription with for $8. So I don't know about that. You know, eh, that's not that much. Um, that's interesting. I'm curious to see if it's like going to be like a Pokemon Go sort of thing or if it's going to be like more just advice, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it does have an AR aspect because it's based on the, um, or it's the same company that did the the zombies one. Uh, what was it called? Zombies move, where <laughs> you're jogging because there's literally zombies chasing you on your phone. I never heard about that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen videos of people doing it. It's pretty great. But it's also like weird because if you're just like a like sitting on the side of the road and someone just runs screaming past you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the last headlines I have are related to the reason that Amanda is here. This week, we saw the release of a brand new 
comic property. Uh, we talked about it a bit on the news a while back, and it's come up a couple times. And this company is Distillery. Um, they are a brand new comic book company who put out their first book, which is an oversized anthology called The Devil's Cut. Uh, and just to give a little information about Distillery for those out there, a Distillery is, as I said, a brand new comic book company. And the idea is that a lot of the creators that are involved are actually co-owners in the company. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a co-op comic book company, which is really, really cool. Um, and they put out, like I said, this oversized um, graphic or not even it's almost a graphic novel. Yeah, basically with a bunch of stories. And because it's a brand new property with no baggage, I wanted to get Amanda's opinion on it. Because, you know, get that outside op- opinion. Again, I'm a comic book's ass, so I, I overanalyze things way too much. <laughs> and so I wanted to make sure I got someone else uh, to talk about it with. So we are going to go ahead and jump into that. And we're going to go story by story. And after this point, um, we will have Distillery in the normal lineup with the other publishers but because it's the first week i wanted to give it kind of a highlight so uh, with that in mind i am ready to jump in if you are amanda yeah i'm excited <laughs> okay now i will also point out that some of these are short stories and some of these have intentions of becoming actual ongoing series and i'll point the ones out that will become ongoing series as we go uh, so the first one is uh spectrograph uh, this yeah. one is written by James Tynan IV, who is one of the best comic writers on the planet. Uh, art by Christian Ward and letter by Aditya Bidikar. Uh This one is the one uh, with the like the spy, I guess, thief that's supposed to go in <laughs> and destroy the machine. And then it turns off in a very uh, unexpected and really creepily drawn way like this. This. Is yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. So this is one of the ones that's going to be an ongoing series. Oh, nice. That's exciting. So uh, I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. Um, again, as someone who reads a lot of comics, I recognize James Tynan's like, style. And this is very much his horror style. All of his books are this level of creepy and really, really great. But I wanted to know what you thought. I thought it was a great story to open on. Um, it is one of my top three out of the whole book. I, I think that it's... A good teaser. I think it definitely lends itself to more. I think that the style of it overall is incredibly atmospheric. Just on the first page, the tone that the color choices set, mm-hmm. um, the like little tiny art choices really put you into the 1980s. I hope that's not too big of a spoiler, but ah, no. in, in the first on the first page, you're in the 1980s, and it's just with limited actual backgrounds. There's just the the way the colors and, and the subtle choices draw you in and really paint that. Um, I thought that was an awesome first page for the whole thing. Mm. Um, and for Spectrograph itself as well. Uh, overall, um, I, I just, I think that it... <laughs> <laughs> that's Thor. That's what Thor thinks. Um, I think that it's incredibly creative. And I think that for how short it is, it packs a huge punch. It leaves you with just enough questions, you know, like I'm, I'm curious yeah. to see where the story goes. I, I think the art choices overall are just amazing. And I love it. I though you mentioned the art. One of the things I like, cause I mean, it's Christian Ward. And again, you don't know, but Christian Ward is a pretty legendary comic artist. Um, I love how the art goes from realistic to completely creepy. 
Yeah. And that's just a really, really great transition. I really like that. So yeah, yeah it's it's an amazing storytelling team. You can definitely tell. Awesome. And the next one is Shepherd, written by Mark Bernardine, art by Ariella Cristantina, uh, colors by Lee Luffridge, and letter by Bernardo Bryce. Uh, this one is more of a sci-fi tale, and uh, it's I, I really liked it. Um, I like the uh, the character work in this one a lot. I, I specifically her, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always been fascinated with the idea of. An arc, you know what I mean? An automated vessel with humans in it, you know, in suspended animation. It's it's something that, you know, fiction has delved into quite a bit. And I think it was uh, really interestingly done here. Um, and with a really cool, unique idea, because I always loved that whole problem of what if something goes wrong and everybody's asleep, you know? And there's a couple different movies that have dealt with that in different ways. And there was actually a recent Fantastic Four book that did that. But... I really liked this one and I, I love, again, I love her character design. I think she looks great not to jump into who that is, but you'll know if you read <laughs> it. Um, but also there's like a, like a morality issue with the main characters and stuff. And I, I really thought it was very interesting. what do you think? You know, I, I thought it was an interesting follow up to the first one. Cause the first one packed such a fun spectrograph, like really, you know, like mm-hmm. bam. Um, I thought this was a good follow up because it has some excellent storytelling. So in, in the text, like in the, in the dialogue, um, I felt like they kind of did a really good job of establishing kind of like a world, kind of like a setting for the plot. Um, it wasn't one of my favorites out of the book, but it's still, it's very good. You know, like I'd, I'd still read the series. Um, I do like the art in it a lot, uh, but yeah, it's just not really my thing. You know, like sci-fi for me is really hit or miss. Yeah. So I'd, I'd probably still read it though. Like, I mean, it's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> this is also one of the ones that's going to be an ongoing, by the way. So yeah. Yeah. All right. The third one. And, uh, uh, one of my favorites, uh, eight rules to make it out in one piece. Uh, so one of the reasons I absolutely love this is because it is, uh, written and drawn by Elsa Charitier, which I love their work. It's fantastic. Everybody should be checking them out. Um, also written by PK Colinette, colored by Nick Filardi and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, whereas the other two definitely had more of a serious tone and you went from like horror to like, like a sci-fi borderline thriller kind of thing. This is like a spy comedy thriller and done in Elsa's very, you know, unique art style that I absolutely love. And I, I really liked this one. I thought it was very like camp and fun. And uh, it's definitely one of the ones I was like, oh, I hope this keeps going, which, by the way, yes, this is another one of the ones that's going to keep going. Um, but I, I just love her protagonist, too. I think Elsa does a great job with these characters, these uh, main characters to make you really care about them and like them. So what do you think about this one? This one was exciting. This one packed like a huge punch again. And I'm probably like saying the same thing over and over. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was it reminded me of reading and like watching Lupin the Third for the first time. Like oh. that kind of there's enough seriousness there and enough like intrigue to kind of draw you in, but it's funny and it's colorful and it's, it's, it's got a lot of character. So I really like this. This is another one. I would totally read the series. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's very fun. Like I, I love her art and if it's something you dig, there's definitely some books I would recommend because oh, she's nice. so good. Um, 
the next one, this is the first one that's not going to be an ongoing. This was a standalone, at least for now. This was a standalone s- single story, which is What's Mine is Hers. Written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Joelle Jones, and, Lu- and letter by Lucas Gattoni. Um, I love Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie did an amazing run on Harley Quinn. And for those who don't know, I do not like the character of Harley Quinn at all. And Stephanie made me love Harley Quinn. And I still get that book, even though she's off the book. So <laughs> there's that, first of all. Um, <laughs> second of all, Joelle Jones is one of my favorite comic artists in the business today. Um, so the fact that this wasn't going to be an ongoing, that this is literally just a five-page story, was kind of weird to me. But um, I really liked the art. Um, I'm not much for like a body horror kind of person. But again, with her art, and she, she was very subtle with it. It wasn't like there was a bunch of viscera on the screen or anything like that. Uh, but it was a really twisted tale. And uh, like in a certain way, I really, really enjoyed it. But I, I again, Joel Jones's art can sell me on anything. So what did you think? I, I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. Where I, I have a huge, huge appreciation for horror. It's one of my favorite genres. But um, straight body horror, horror stuff, like the kind of gross and guts and gore sort of thing doesn't really do it for me. Um, that being said, I have seen it done, you know, artistically well. And that's always intriguing. And this was done very artistically well. So as a story, as like a plot, I think it's good as a standalone. I'm not sure how I could see it fold into a series, but I would love, I would, I mean, I would eat up a whole book of short stories with this art style, with this kind of tone. Um, And I would love to to see more from the artist for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, After that is A Blessed Day. Uh, this one is uh, from Merca and Dolfo, uh, Fabio Amelia, uh, Arancia Studio, and Steve Orlando. Uh, this one, again, it, this is Merca's art style. So, like, it just immediately jumps out at me as someone who's very familiar with it. Merca is, um, it has a certain fandom, and I love Merca's art. Anytime Merca does a, a variant cover, I always pick it up and things like that. So, um, this one is a really cool twisted tale about a uh, demon who masquerades as a uh, an executive a uh, talent manager in showbiz and uses that you know that connection and that power to basically make make his celebrities the new objects of worship you know like and I really like it. I just love her art style quite a bit. Uh, I love the the religious iconography in in the corporation. It's obviously like on the nose, but I really really liked it. What do you think about this one? This was my favorite out of the whole oh. book. This was my favorite. Um, I felt like it's really set up to take it places to take the concept and the idea and the story places. I don't know if it's going to, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's set uh, up this, to do this is one of the ongoing ones too okay good good because yeah. i want to read that um i love that there's an amount of creepiness and like straight horror to it enough to be unsettling and enough to be menacing and and set that tone but it's still like it's it's richer than that it's not like just that shock value um so i would i would totally love to read like i would follow this character forever i love him <laughs> yeah there's also like a bit of like not even body horror, but like grossness, mm-hmm. but it's not bad. I actually don't mind it because like, yeah. it's kind of funny because it's Merca. Merca's art is kind of cute, you know, like <laughs> like the dude putting his eyeballs in and I'm like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah. that normally would be really <laughs> gross to me. Like, so yeah, I, re- I really like this one too. I thought it was great. But again, I like Merca a lot. So 
the next one is the stowaway. Everything for the stowaway was done by Jock, as Jock tends to do. Uh, this one is is kind of cool. And the, the thing with this one is we don't get a ton about the setting of this one yet. Um, it, like, I don't know when this is. Is it near future? Is it meant to be modern times? Is it a completely different world? Like, if we don't really figure that out because it's very contained in one little location. Uh, but it, it definitely seems like a, a kind of like thriller adventure with a young hero type thing. And uh, there's little bits I really liked. I love the design of the ship. I thought that first shot of the ship was gorgeous. I love the chef being like the, <laughs> yeah, that was the cute. little like, ah, oh, don't worry about a kid kind of thing. But then that dude fucked him over apparently um, by like not warning him or something like that. But I thought it was really cool. And the one thing with this one, which by the way, this is also one of the ongoings, is I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Like, is this is the story this kid stuck on the ship? Is there is it a bigger thing? Like, is how big is this going to get? You know what I mean? How big is the arc? So, but I liked it. I like Jock's heart though. But what do you think? I wasn't super impressed by this. I mean, it was nice. Like, I do. I think the art across the whole anthology is amazing. I think everybody who participated was really great. Um, this really didn't like spark my interest. It's something that. If you get the book and you read it and you tell me, Amanda, you'd like this, I'd be like, okay, I remember that intro. Yeah, I can get into this. Mm. Um, but again, it's for me, it's like kind of the sci-fi aspect where this could be present times. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right that it could be. But it struck me as like a little bit like it's going towards sci-fi, going towards future. Yeah, like near which, future. Yeah. yeah, which isn't my setting. So for me, when there's like a teaser for something like that, it's got to grab me with the characters or it's got to grab me with something unique about the setting. Um, this didn't really grab me with anything. I think it was kind of a good setup and I feel like it's probably not meant to be a standalone. Do you know what I mean? Where like some of them, it's kind of like, this is a teaser. Yeah. This is, uh, to get you interested. This feels more like it's the beginning pages of a book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't designed to be the teaser. This was yeah. literally the beginning of issue one. So yeah. yeah. Um, the one thing I will say that, because uh, I do agree with you a bit in that there wasn't a lot that hooked me in this one. Um, but uh, the one thing that got me, and just because of the way I look for plot, is the little mention of the kid saying, me and mom are hungry. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what's the world like right now? You know, like, that's the kind of thing that makes me immediately start thinking. You know what I mean? And that's the one thing that did hook me. So if I, we see more of the world, I definitely think this is a book I could enjoy. So. All right, next up is deleted scene number two. Written, Brian, written by Brian Azzarello, art by Eduardo Riso, and letter by Jared K. Fletcher. Right in the middle of this book, which a lot of this has been like horror and thrillers, we get a cowboy story. And, <laughs> and I loved it because like, it's very, it's very like, there's a thing that Westerns do, and it depends on the Western, where sometimes they clean up the old West a bit, and it bothers me as someone who was raised by a legitimate cowboy like my my stepdad literally herded cattle on a ranch his entire life and so um this one it, it's definitely just the griminess of it um and then it's it like i love the dialogue it's very funny and very realistic and like i love the the weird little like like not even argument they have just this weird little like complete on other levels conversation they had <laughs> And then just, especially the last shot, just this this watercolor almost That's art beautiful, yeah. is absolutely gorgeous. So uh, I really like this. I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, 
strangely enough, this one is one of the ongoing ones. I thought oh, this would be a one like a one shot. So yeah, what do you think? Um, there yeah, there wasn't like a lot of substance to the the story of it. Um, I didn't really get a sense of like the characters so much. It was one of the ones that I like paged through. And I was like, I'm confused. Um, yeah. it's gorgeous i mean it is absolutely beautiful like that watercolor you pointed out it's so beautiful um and i found myself just kind of looking at it and appreciating <laughs> it for that um i don't know it, it just kind of went over my head i didn't really get it yeah well, that's fair enough next up is white boat uh this one is brought to us by the team of scott snyder francesco francavia and world design and tyler Jenis. Um, this one is a definitely like a horror thriller with a pretty heavy, heavy nautical theme. Um, and I, 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 I liked it and it's really interesting. It's one of those ones that I feel is going to go six issues and is going to have a really cool twist and be really grim at the end. Um, I do feel like I needed more than six pages because I feel like it was like a breakneck speed story because it had to be in six pages. Other than that, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm just curious to see, because I know Scott Snyder can do these creepy stories pretty well. So what'd you think of that one? Yeah, I agree with you that it, it was very like fast, fast. And then it's like, Oh, I need, I need more now. Like, wait, why does it, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I love a good horror on the sea, you know, kind of the um, idea of like, alien type creatures and threats and shit <laughs> even though it's you know the sea um yeah. yeah no i thought it was really cool i liked it that one is also one of the ongoings so yeah. uh next up is the endless city uh this one is done by wait no it's called what happens next sorry the title <laughs> the title of the first panel is the endless city i apologize what happens next Written and drawn by Jamie McKelvey. Letter by Aditya Bidikar. Jamie McKelvey is legendary. Uh, absolutely Wictive alone, which is the Wicked and the Divine Manda. is an amazing comic that Jamie did. And uh, I, honestly, they didn't need to do anything else. And I would read them forever. So um, <laughs> this is set in more of a far future. And I know you're, you're kind of picky with sci-fi. So I was curious about what you thought about this one. This one, as far as I can tell, has not been announced as an ongoing. Hmm. Which it seemed like the most obvious one to be an ongoing to me, um, but it is a it is a future where basically humanity has resolved all their problems and um and just kind of like the idea of like what do you do when there's nothing left to do and I mean I, I love existential shit like that like that's really interesting to me and God I really want this to continue because I, I really enjoyed it but uh. What did you think? Again, as sci-fi has to hit right for you, so I'm curious about this. Yeah, I I liked the character that it kind of centered around. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of liked the sense of of that character, but um, the concept as a whole, like as a, a nebulous concept, is not really for me. But mm -hmm. if it was, you know, a group of compelling characters in that setting, in that concept, I would be totally into it. Um, mm -hmm. And because I liked like the the character that was kind of narrating and kind of going through it. Um, I liked it a lot. I did. I enjoyed it. Nice. And I should mention, like, some of these ones that aren't announced as ongoing, I might have missed an announcement. I'm just going by what I can find. So it might be. We'll see. So uh, next to last one is Waiting to Die. Uh, this one is written by Rom V, art by Lee Garbett, color by Lee Luffridge, and letter by Aditya Bidikar. 
this is the one about the massive solar flare that is going to hit the earth and they're warning everybody to stay inside. It might erase your brain and all this stuff. And about the people making the conscious choice to have their brain erased. And I think that's really interesting. I, me personally, like the idea of like erasing my brain obviously doesn't appeal to me, but I could see where people get to the point where that might be something that would be intriguing to them and something they might want to look into. So I, I liked the book. I love the art. Lee Garbett's a really great artist. Um, and it definitely makes me interested in the the couple and where this might go. But this is not one of the ones that's ongoing. So as far as I know, but what do you think of this one? I loved it. Um, I thought it, it had that kind of like uh, thriller aspect of horror that I like so much that it's, you know, an impossible decision and, you know, apocalyptic times and stuff like that. Um, this was, yeah, like my third favorite one. It was definitely on my list of favorites from from the book. Um, I think that I could I could understand it as a standalone story. I would totally love to read more about that world. And like read more characters points of view and, you know, just, just more, (laughs) but I do, I think it stands alone pretty well too, that, that part of why it's such a terrifying idea to have like your mind erased and, and be in in a situation where you can't leave your home because your mind might be erased. Um, I think part of that, uh, what's so scary about that is that it has an ambiguous open end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, like how would society work if like half the people had their minor raised? Like what would right? happen? That's really interesting. <laughs> like it definitely begs for more story. So yeah, the last story was what blighted flame burns in thee written and drawn by Becky Clunan and Tula Dote and lettered by Richard Starkings. Uh, this one is like a period piece, which I thought was really cool. Uh, we didn't really get anything in the past that much in this one. Um, so basically going back and, dealing with this um with like a a witchcraft accusation and i love it because it's like yeah she might actually be a witch (laughs) but does that make her (laughs) bad and it's great because as i mentioned becky and tula both contribute art and so early on you have a very traditional comic art style like you know this but then you turn the page and you get this. <laughs> and it just transitions into this gorgeous story. And just like, like the other one was great. It was great art. But then this takes it to another whole level. And it makes sense because it becomes an otherworldly kind of thing. And I really dug this. This is going to be one of the ones that continues, by the way. Oh, interesting. I didn't think it would. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? I adored it. I I love I love the setting. Um, that definitely speaks to me. I love the horrible horrible premise. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, I, I it's totally right up my alley. Um, I I would love to to see how it goes on as a series. That's very interesting to me. Yeah. So that's everything uh, from the first book, The Devil's Cut from Distillery. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at dstlry underscore media. Also, their website is dstlry.co, and they do have a merch page up. And the last thing I want to mention is that they have announced one more series that was not included in the original announcement, which is called Somna, which is written and uh, well, it's written and drawn by the team of that last story. Oh, it's nice. it's not that story, but it's going to be another story with the same team. So, oh wait, no, no, you know it does say 
it launches out of their short story. Okay, yeah. So it just oh, has wow. a different title. So yeah. Cool. Follows one woman's escape from the confines of her puritanical world. So yeah, really, really cool. Uh, so yeah, um, that's everything on there. Uh, it Overall, I think it was a really great launch for a new company and definitely an attention getting thing. Uh, anything, last thoughts you had? I think that it was an amazing collection. I think that they paced it very well, like just the little tiny things of how they ordered the stories and, and, you know, what they chose to open and close with. Like, I think they were all great decisions and I'm really excited to, to read some books uh, that follow up from this. Yeah. I'm excited to have you. Cause you, again, you can jump in at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like as much as people like X-Men, you have, 50 60 years of x-men to read and then you're like who's this you know like it's really cool to get in the beginning of a property so yeah yeah awesome well thank you so much for joining us and we're going to talk about my comic book reviews of the week hi this is keith from the future i recorded the full episode and then i realized i need to add something on here because normally i don't review the kickstarter stuff i get in but i have to talk about sharpwit and the company of women also known as SWAT Cow, that I just got from some of my favorite creators. I read it in one night, and I had enough time to add it to the episode. So let's do that. Why don't we? Uh, for those who uh, don't know, this is a uh, anthology book. Several stories in here, uh, each about women wielding weapons of different types. And we'll talk about each episode because I can't just talk about one or two. I got to talk about them all because I really enjoyed it. So first of all, the overall creative team. Uh, the editor-in-chief is Michelle Albinator, uh, and then uh, the other editor is Brent Fisher. Associate editors were Fellhound and Justin Richards. Uh, covers by uh, Tula Lotte, logos by Asher Silverman, and the title weapons, which is really important because they really bring the book together, is Laura Helsby. So let's talk about the individual stories. The first story is Brendalyn, written by Katie Brown and art by Elizabeth uh, McKedzie. Uh, this one, it starts the book off really well with a great bang. It's a good story of like determination and like sacrifice. And the closing line of it really kind of sets up the rest of the book really well. Because it's, it's um, as you'll see, it's kind of a call to arms. It's kind of a, a inspirational and, you know, makes you get your blood pumping kind of thing. So I really enjoy it. The second story is Creed of the Seamstress, Seamstress written by Jadzia Axelrod and art by Rye Hickman. I'm a big Jadzia fan, so really glad to see this one. Um, this one's really great. It's a story of love, which is something we're going to come back to a couple times in the book. But it's also a story of revenge. And um, it's it's really well told. And I, I don't, again, I don't like to compare things to things, but it's Inigo Montoya-like in how satisfying the resolution is. Like, I really like it. But it's also about, like, when you live so long for revenge what do you do now? What do you do when the revenge is over? And that that's a really, I always like that question. It's a really interesting question. So really liked that one. Third story is Sinners and Saviors by my friend, Justin Richards, art by Liana Kangas, colors by Tench, and letters by Aubrey Lynn Jepsen. Uh, this one's a little short. It's only six pages. And I wish it were more, but uh, I think it does tell the story uh, very, very well. Um, Justin does has such a connection to music. That's why Justin's on Jukebox Vertigo every time we can get them. Uh, but uh, this one, you'll find out if you read all the way through it, it does have an Alanis Morissette homage to it. Um, I really like it. It's very cool. And it leaves a, a bit open to interpretation for you to really 
decide what happened and how you feel about it. I really like that. Um, and I just love the combination of Justin and Liana. It's just a winning combination. I love it. So very, very good. I love that. Next up is Portrait of a Night in Flames, written and drawn by Alina Wahab. Uh, this one was really cool. It's really visually striking. And I love the uh, the lettering and design of how the pages look. You'll know what I mean when you look at it. Um, not just the specific font choice, but the placement of the bubbles and even the coloring of the bubbles. It really adds a lot to it. And it has a really great twist that I've really enjoyed. This was a lot of fun and something that, uh, yeah, I, I another one I kind of wish there were more of. I wish I had a little bit more of this story. So very, very, very cool. Um, next one was uh, kind of the first non-traditional tale of the group with all the web armed women and everything like that. This one is Joan 19, written by Lillian Holtzwinder, art by Felipa Catalao Coelho, and letter by Kilamel Sabal. Um, this one is about a character named Joan in modern times uh, and how they are they were named after Joan of Arc and uh they always had like their mother always wanted them to be a fighter and Joan has fibromyalgia and it's about the expectations of you know such a high level you know of Joan of Arc and how parents can try and mean well and even do well but at the same time not quite do the right thing, which is something that really tugs at my heart quite a bit is when that kind of thing happens. That's a really interesting story. Uh, a parent that's trying their best, but doesn't quite make it. And I, I really appreciate that kind of tale at the same time, this character just, just wants to live, just wants to live a normal life. And it, it, it ends with a banger of a final line and a last moment that just leaves you just sitting there and just realizing like, just what what it's like in this girl's life and like the comparison to Joan of Arc and the, what it means to her to just live. I really like this one. Uh, next one is Starcrossed, written and drawn by Fellhelm with letters by Kielamel Sebal. Um, it's it's Fellhelm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I love Fellhelm. Uh, this is just fell at their best. Um, entire tale is set to a poem. With that just traditional fell art, it's just so good and sweet and adorable, but also a bit tragic and uh, just maybe a little bit hopeful. Like, I really like this one a lot. Uh, it's very English lit of me to love this one, but I don't care. I do. Next one is Dear Genevieve, written by Julia Pewanski and art by Gabe Martini. Uh, this one does... It, a lot of the other previous ones were either like a like an action one or a romance one. This one is like a gothic horror twist on the on the concept. And I, I really like it. Um, it's really good. There's a really good art with it and a really interesting, intriguing ending that I, I, I think suits this story very well. and makes me uh, makes me intrigued, makes me uh you know how you feel when you watch a horror movie that you really enjoy? Not just the terror, but you're like the ooh. Yeah, that's kind of what I got from the end of this, and I really, really liked it. Uh, the next one is Let Justice Be My Axe. Uh, this one's written by Chris Mull, art by Lauren Knight, colors by J.P. Jordan. Um, this one 
it, they use axe as a double meaning, not just an axe, but also a guitar. Uh, this is a musician on stage ready to perform, opening for some big rock band, and they're ready to blow them out of the water, getting heckled by the men, you know, just not caring about the music, just caring about the fact they're girls, you know, what was it? Show us your tits is the first quote. And just visualizing turning that axe into a real axe and just obliterating the audience with it. Uh, just really, really cool. It's just like a story of, of a woman just killing it in the face of men who think they can't. And I really, really like it. Uh, the next story is Iron Deficiency. Uh, this one's written by Michelle Abonator, art by Tench, and letters by Aubrey Lynn Jepsen. I love this one so much. It's the, uh, it's, it's the tale of two characters, and I'm trying to be coy about this without giving away too much, in the aftermath of a battle that they survived. And I loved this. It into instantly instantly likable characters with really good uh charisma or chemistry between them. Uh I loved this pairing already as like playing off of each other. If I had a choice, this would be the one I would pitch as a full project, like a mini series or something. Because it's just I definitely felt like I did not get enough of this. This is this is a pairing I could read for a long time. So definitely uh, really, really great. I love that one. And right after that's kind of a great like pivot from there because it's a partition of pride and pers- persistence. The last squabble written by a James and drawn by Fiona creates uh, this one is a real fun story of two exes dividing up their belongings. But instead of like a record collection, it's the weapons they've accrued over their, their lives. Um, very fun written in a, with a great sense of humor and all these little details, all these little items that they're splitting. There's a great bunch of little bit of jokes in here and things like that. I really like it. And it just ends on a really like uh, sweet, cute ending between the two of them. And sometimes when when people are telling the story of like two people obviously care about each other, getting divorced, the the um, the instinct might be to put them back together. But I think this is a really well example of not to do that of a great way to tell the story and not give into that cliche so i really really like this one uh next up was cadence written by keith frady and art by sarah stern i'm a big sarah fan um this one is instantly adorable and lovable like just just a lovely fun love story in this collection of these armed women with a kind of mythological turn at the end that i really appreciated and just just cute, just cute as hell. I love this one. It's definitely the cutest to me. Uh, after that is Birthright. Uh, this is written by Ari Pluchinski and art by Sam Bowen. Uh, this one is uh, where a lot of these are focused on like love stories or revenge. This one is a generational tale focusing on women from a family and this artifact that ties them together. Um, I, I really like this one. I thought it was very cool. I also like the idea of, you know, this spoiler alert a little bit an elderly woman hero in this uh in this kind of situation like using her in this character i loved her in this and just really cool I, it's a really cool concept and i'd like i would love to see the behind the scenes the creation of this to see what else they came up with really really cool next up is apernick and her talking sword shamshir uh this one is written by kamiab gorbanpur and art by parafe uh, this one is set in Persia, and it's just this really lighthearted, eventually lighthearted tale 
of friendship between a woman and her sword. And it's, it's really great. There's like a cute twist at the end and the action's really well done in this one too. I really like that. And I do like that this one is kind of set in a real, in our real world for the most part with the mythological twist, not a generic fantasy world. So I, I did really enjoy that one too. And uh, it may be hungry. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Next one is Stabbed, uh, written and drawn by uh, Sika Dako. Uh, this one, <laughs> so uh, my frequent co-host Manda has a character that is very much this character in D&D. And I was immediately loving this. Um, basically, it's very lighthearted. It's very, uh, I'm trying to think of a good comparison to it. Um, it's a very, uh, like a lighthearted fantasy tale and, uh, it's fantasy fun with two characters that just have have potential for more, more tales. I immediately love the main character, just absolutely a positive person doesn't really think about it and just, just goes forward with all this positivity. I, I really like it. And just a cute ending as well. Uh, after that is Gal Gallivant and Dance with the Devil. Written by Joe Corallo, art by Eva Cabrera, colors and letters by Chase Bluestone. Uh, this one is like a classic superhero tale set during World War II. Um, obviously, going to be some inspiration from A League of Their Own because it's a baseball-themed kind of hero um, taking down a group of bad girls uh, during World War II because, of course, all the evil men are overseas, but there are evil women too. The League of Lady Looters. Um, I love the golden age aesthetic with the modern touch. I think it's very cute and yet another one with a cute love story as well, which is just a great pattern in this book. Love it. After that is conventional weapons written and drawn by Casper Manning. Um, this one is a time displaced night in modern times goes to Comic-Con and I thoroughly enjoyed this. And I'll just say this. If this was a web comic, I would read this forever. This is right up my alley. I would read the crap out of this webcomic. So just throwing that out there if anyone has any interest in continuing this. Uh, next up is Maul, written by Danny Lore, art by Skylar Patridge, colors by Tench, and letters by Jody Troutman. I'm legitimately a fan of all four of these people, so I'm very excited about this one. But, I mean, Danny Lore, it's its everything I love from Danny. Uh, the darkness, almost um, noir feel wolfish monsters but just with this actual legit heart behind it it's everything i love from danny lore stories and obviously skyler's art is great everybody does a great job in this one thoroughly enjoyed it so good i thought that would be the closure closer but there's one left the shield maiden written by laura jones and art by cr fahey um this one is i again i thought the danny lore one might close it out but then in retrospect this one's the perfect closer because it closes with a reminder and a call to arms once again, which is just really appropriate and really badass. And I loved it so good. Um, of course, also at the end, there is uh, there are poems by uh, Brent and Michelle, the two editors, and really, really cool there. And I just love Michelle's because, you know, the quote, you know, keep going, even if only out of spite, I'm proud of you. I do so much through spite and I appreciate that. <laughs> And uh, yeah, just really enjoyed it. And I once again want to ha- highlight the title weapons. These In these chapters, there's just these drawings of weapons. And they just really set the tone and I think do a, an amazing job of bringing the book together. And once again, that's by Laura Helsby. But once again, Sharpwit and the Company of Women. This is a book you should be picking up. Extra Pages Press. If you can find a copy, 
please, please, please read it and let me know what you think because this is one of my favorite Kickstarter projects I've ever funded. And thank you to each of them for that. And now back to our regular scheduled show. Now on to our regular comic book reviews. And as always, we don't start with a bang. We start with a boom. Boom Studios is my first publisher. And I only have one book. And that is Alice Never After number two. Written by Dan Panosian. Um, illustrations for partial of book. The book is Dan Panosian. Uh, other art by Giorgio Spalletta with assistance by Cyril Glarum. Clever Francisco Sagala with Gloria Martinelli and letter by Jeff Eckleberry. Um, I, I said it last time when I reviewed the number one of this issue. So cool to see this book back. I'm really excited to see it back because it was the first volume was so great. And I didn't know if it was, I didn't know if there was another story there, but this book has made it pretty clear. There is another story here and I really like it. I love what they're doing with Alice herself in this story and the inevitable pull into, uh, see, I can't say it without spoiling it, but long story short, it's basically her character is, is changing and it's just, oh God, how do I, I it's, it's fantastic. I, um, the world of Wonderland is very prevalent in this one, whereas some issues are like 50-50. This one was very much in Wonderland. And you get to know the Wonderland citizens a bit more. And there's an emphasis on how kind of creepy that um, th- this is all is. So it's just, uh, uh, yeah, it's really, really interesting. I, I really am lo- in- I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I recommend everybody pick up the first volume and catch up because you'll want to know exactly what goes on. Uh, after that, the next publisher is going to be Titan Comics. And I have one book for Titan this week, which is Conan the Barbarian number two. Um, once again, another great book. Uh, I love this new uh, creative direction. Written by Jim Zub, art by Rob Delator, colored by Dean White, and letter by Richard Starkings. Um, it is such a classic Conan style tale with a lot of the uh, things that you would look for in a Conan story. The art is just perfectly suited for this kind of story. And uh, yeah, I just, I really, really like it. Um, It does harken me back to more classic Conan, as I said, more so than what the Marvel uh, did, which I I like the Marvel version, but I thought this was really, really well done. And um Definitely like an interesting story as a whole, not just in a Conan uh, perspective. I really like this invading force that Conan is put up against. I like the supporting character, which is a very Conan supporting character. And I, I like the way they're playing with Conan's origin and the people he came from and kind of like putting a little doubt into your mind. Like, okay, they, they are all badasses, but what is this threat and how is it playing into it? I think it's really well done in that case. So I, I'm, I'm loving this. I love Jim Zub's writing though. I've always have, always have. So uh, definitely a pickup from me. Next up is I D W. And I have a couple books uh, from the endless summer run of the Saturday morning adventures books, uh, starting with the teenage mutant Ninja turtles, Saturday morning adventures. Uh, this one is uh, written by Dave Baker, art by Tango, inked by Alice Leclerc, Leclerc, 
color by Zenon Honshar and letter by Jody Troutman. Uh, this one's a lot of fun. Again, each of these are going to be like, again, Saturday morning adventure style. It's going to be for a younger audience. And it's just about how do we spend our summer? And for the turtles, it's about going to an amusement park. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Obviously, each of the characters or each of the turtles is, uh, you know, showcasing their own individual characters. And it's a really great book to for a younger audience. But if you're still a turtle fan, it's definitely enjoyable. I will certainly be purchasing this, this this one for my niece because she's a huge Turtles fan and I think she would really enjoy it. So um, very enjoyable. The second part of the Endless Summer run I got was the Dungeons and Dragons book, which was written by David Boer. So I'm so happy to see David Boer back with these characters. Art by Jack Lawrence, colors by Josh Burcham, letter by Russ Wooten, which is once again our Saturday Morning Adventures uh, D&D group uh, trying to find a casual way to you know relax during the summer and they decide to hang out by a lake and it's it's a lot of fun i really liked it uh of course that does lead to a conflict and it's a fun conflict i think it's i think it's an enjoyable story that they told overall i mean just a lot of fun and i just love these characters so much i want more of them as we go on and i really want david boer to keep writing them so if this is the next step to that i am excited and please more please 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 uh, the last IDW book is, oh man, The Hunger in the Dusk, number two. Written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Chris Wildgoose, colors by Mosaic, and letter by Simon Boland. Um, I don't want to make this book my book of the week every single week that it comes out. Uh, but just consider it an honorary book of the week every week it comes out because it's so good. Um, I love the world building in this and I love the portrayal of the, the orc tribes because sometimes orc tribes get simplified really basically down to just violent savages and tribalism. And this one really, this story just really makes them more interesting and more in depth and uh, w- or give them more depth. And I really appreciate that because it makes it more interesting. It makes it more conflicted and it makes you cheer for more people. Um, in this case, uh, we get to meet the rest of the crew, the rest of the last men standing. And uh, we also get to check in with the orc tribes a bit and what's going on there. And I actually really enjoyed the story that was told there of a, basically a honeymoon and what it's like in that orc tribe. Uh, but 100%, one of my favorite fantasy books in comics, one of my favorite books going right now, The Hunger in the Dusk. Everybody should be reading this. Please, please, please pick it up because I need this to succeed. Please, please, please. So next up is Image Comic Books. And I got a couple Image Books this week. First of all, Arcade Kings, number four. Uh, created, written, and drawn by Dylan Burnett. Colored by Walter Bayamonte and Sarah Antonellini. There we go. Colors by uh, color assistance by Simona uh, Iroto and Sharon Moreno, and letter by Anne World Design. So in this issue, the two brothers have finally come face to face and met with each other again, and it's not necessarily a happy reunion. Um, I, I I really like it. Um, this book is so like stylistic and beautiful that it's just so fun. But yeah, seeing the two brothers reunite after so long is just. 
really fun and interesting and it leads to a pretty great action scene and i'm so curious to see what this means what the reaction leads to because it definitely isn't isn't quite the reunion one of them thought they would have and it leads to a pretty climactic decision at the end of the issue so if anyone's following along with that i don't want to spoil it but it's really really good so definitely check it out after that is local man gold special um i love local man this book has been so much fun uh written by tony fleeks and tim seeley drawn also by tony fleeks and tim seeley uh colors by felipe sobrero um and of course created by tony and uh and tim uh this one is is great because it is does kind of reflect like that image era of like the big special book and look look at this flashy shiny cover and um it's a time travel story where literally local man has to kind of confront his former self and see what kind of like what a piece of shit he used to be and i really like it um it, it's it's very fun if you're a fan of like um like marvel's exiles especially the original run and the whole like we have a problem to solve and let's go here and solve it like it's it's that kind of level fun which is really really great it also uses a lot of characters that you might find very familiar if you are a an image fan and other books fan um specifically i want to shout out boof because boof is a great name and i've always loved it and uh we actually get a love everlasting reference which i love because that's one of my favorite books in image right now so seeing joan pop up uh spoiler joan peterson pops up seeing her pop up was awesome and uh just opens up all kinds of possibilities <laughs> so great good stuff always worth picking up next up even though i did really really enjoy hunger in the dusk my actual book of the week is world tree number five written by james tynan the fourth art by fernando blanco color by jordi belair letter by aditya bedekar i am not spoiling what happens in this issue because it's very important that i don't it's very important for if you've been following world tree you need to read this for yourself um that being said this everything changes in this issue it's just it's just a climactic happening and i i love love this idea i love where this is going and i do kind of like that there's a gonna be a bit of an interactive element here um i don't want to spoil but there is a website at the end of the issue to go to with a password and I did go there and kind of scour it a bit to see what I could find. Um, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that. Everybody should be reading this. It's one of the best comics on the rack. So 100% my book of the week is World Tree number five. Which takes us to DC. And I got a couple books here. Uh, first of all, the Gnort's, uh Swimsuit Edition um this one has a bunch of pinups uh and they're great uh, a lot of them are like former covers that i already own so that was kind of a bummer i wish there was all new art but you know it is what it is um i love them all so that's cool <laughs> um there are two original stories in here uh bay watch written by julian shauna benson art by megan hetrick colors by marissa louise and letter by steve wands 
and Out There, written by Steve Orlando, penciled by Paul Pelletier, inked by Norm Rotman, colored by Adriana Lucas, and lettered by Rob Lay. This one was actually originally printed back in 2020. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did enjoy this book. I thought it was fun. I kind of miss the old pinup days of comic books where we would occasionally get that. Um, the centerfold in this one is hilarious. I wish I didn't want to damage the book so much that I could put it up because it's great. Yeah, I just I thought it was thoroughly fun. Uh, so definitely worth it. I do think it's kind of a bummer, and I don't blame the artist for this, that um, so many pinups are Wonder Woman-centric when there are so many other characters out there. Um, so I, I just kind of wish that was not the case, but it is what it is, and I get why she's there. You know, she's the most popular female character probably in comics. So, you know, you're going to use her. But I just wish there's a little more diversity there. Next up is Superboy, Man of Tomorrow, number five. Uh, this one, I thought this was going to be the last issue, but it looks like there's going to be one more. Written by Kenny Porter, art by Janoy Lince, who also does the colors, and letters by Lucas Gattoni. Uh, so this is Connor, you know, he's at he's at the bottom of the barrel. He's lost his powers. He's abandoned on a strange planet his teleporter doesn't work and he knows that his former companions are off doing horrible things and he doesn't have anything to do to stop them and now that he's kind of like at wit's end he does find a way to recover he finds a way to step up as a hero and the whole book has been about him finding his own path his own role and his own abilities and um, the way to step out from Clark's shadow. And I think this is this issue does a really good job of that, of him stepping up and doing his own thing, including accomplishing something specifically that only he could have done thanks to his uh, tactile telekinesis, um, saving people. And so I, I think that's really cool. It does lead to a final um, issue uh, that is going to be a, just a knockdown drag out brawl that I cannot wait for. So I've been enjoying this run, even as somebody who's not the biggest fan of Connor, I think it's been really good. So uh, definitely worth a check out and catch up before it ends. After that is the action comics presents doomsday special uh, written by Dan waters art by Eddie Burrows and Eber Ferreira colored by Adriana Lucas and letter by Dave Sharp. This was a really great story because, uh, it featured Martian Manhunter and Supergirl. And I love that. That's great. They didn't make it about Clark, which I thought was really good. And it also gives Supergirl her iconic confrontation with a very iconic Superman villain, which is Doomsday, of course. Um, I also really like when DC plays with theology a bit. And they do that very much so in this issue. Um, so I, I think it's done very, very well. Um, I think, uh, how do I put it? I think it definitely teases for the future of Doomsday, including to the point where they said, for more of Doomsday, check out Action Comics, basically. <laughs> so obviously there's going to be more. But I thought it was a really cool ending and um, done very, very well. There's also a backup story written by Dan Waters, art by Max Rayner, caused by Andrew Dahlhaus, and letter by Dave Sharp for Bloodwind. And uh, the tagline for it is fantastic. I'm not going to spoil it. But yeah, that's really, really cool. I really enjoyed this special and I almost didn't pick it up because I'm like, I don't care about doomsday, but it was definitely worth it. Next up is Batman Catwoman, the Gotham War battle lines. Uh, this was an event that kind of flew under my radar and it wasn't something I really knew anything about. And then I saw the book and I'm like, you know what? 
I'll try it out because I really enjoy what uh, Teeny's been doing with Catwoman. Uh, I haven't been following Batman. Josue was doing that. Uh, but I thought, you know what? Let's try it out. And so this is written by Teeny Howard and Chip Zdarsky. Penciled by Mike Hawthorne. Inked by Adriano Di Benedetto. Colored by Romulo Fajardo Jr. And uh, I don't have a letterer here. So let's assume one of them did the lettering. Uh, or DC forgot to put them in the credits again. So, um, yeah, this takes place immediately after Night Terrors. So I read them in the wrong order. <laughs> but long story short, Batman... Um, is out of commission for a while. Let's just leave it at that before we talk about night terrors. And he, when he, it comes back to, and he starts to explore Gotham again, he finds out that things have changed and Catwoman has organized the goons quote of the supervillains, all these hirelings that they always have that seemingly the heroes all know by name, which I think is great. Basically they're just, sacrificial lambs for these supervillains and they um they get mistreated they don't get paid they get killed and they don't really accomplish anything and in an attempt to not only help those people but also curb violent crime in gotham catwoman takes them under her wing and teaches them how to become like thieves instead of like murderers or thugs and she's teaching them how to steal under the idea that they do not kill and they only steal from the rich and you know little socialist to me is like excellent this is good i think that's a great idea of course batman doesn't like it because batman doesn't like any crime and he has this idealistic idea that he can cancel out all crime he can stop all crime from happening um that leads to a conflict between the two of them, of course. And um, the worst part for Batman is it's basically, yeah, there's no crime. <laughs> like crime plummets because of what Catwoman's doing. Now there is an incident that in this issue that I think needed to happen just to prove that Catwoman's plan isn't flawless, but I still believe her plan is like significantly better than the thing Batman's been doing for what, 80 years and still has the most crime ridden city in comics. So Yeah. Uh, but it does seem like there's going to be battle lines drawn between them about this. And I think it's very interesting to see who goes where. Because uh, we do get a kind of, almost a confirmation of where one person goes at the end of the issue. And I think that's uh, very in character. And definitely raises my interest in this story. So I will be following this crossover. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I probably should have been reading both Batman and Catwoman up to this point anyways, but I will definitely be reading them at this point and maybe going back and buying them like I did with Son of Kal-El. So definitely a great buy and uh, very interesting crossover already. After that is the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country, The Glass House, number four. Uh, this one, this book is just fantastic. Um, yeah. Let's do creative team first. So written by James Stein the fourth art by Alessandro Estern color by Bertizio del Peach and letter by Simon Boland. Um, it's, it's very much uh, like a focus on two groups of characters at this point. Uh, the first one is uh, Thessaly, who again is my favorite Sandman character. Um, and this, and the main character of the series as well as the cat. And um, there's a really gruesome moment early on in the issue that's just absolutely disgusting. And I love it. 
Uh, so it focuses on them, and then it also kind of leans towards the Corinthian and what's going on with him and the temptation he's been giving, or someone's giving him to betray the agreement, to to kill, to to give in to his urges, which he does not want to do. As, or does he? Like, it's just so good. And we also get an appearance in the very last page of a... Uh, fuck it, I'll just say, of the new dream. And I, I, he's so fleetingly appearing in things that I just got really excited seeing him. So I think we're going to start opening up into the endless of this. And I, I love it. It's been very, very good. I've loved everything Sandman they've done recently. So obviously it's a 100% recommend for me. Which brings me to the last DC book, and I should not have read this last, but I did. Night Terrors, Night's End. Uh... As I said, I got a little spoiled on the ending of this book, thanks to the Gotham War book. But uh, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Howard Porter, Giuseppe Comancoli, Stefano Nessi, and Trevor Hersing, colored by Rain Burrito, and letter by Troy Pateri. Now, quick warning: I'm gonna not. Re- I'm gonna spoil. So if you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this review. Skip forward to the Marvel uh, timestamp. So as we saw in all the side stories, everybody's nightmares are now released and the heroes have to team together to fight them. And we get little bits and appearances by a lot of people like Robot Man gets his moment and stuff. It's it's really interesting. Um, The solution in the end is the Dreamstone and uh, they have to end up using it to get to stop him. Um, I really like it. There's a great full page spread of uh, the Sandman, the, the the hero, the Sandman that I thought was really gorgeous. And there is a very heroic sacrifice, which I will not mention because that's the one spoiler I will keep from you. Um, at the end of the issue, Batman is basically in a coma because of how dead man used his body. And he's in that for a while. And it does tease that because everybody saw these nightmarish versions of all the heroes, the DC universe is less accepting of heroes now. And they're maybe they're not looking up to them. Maybe a little scared of them. And isn't that kind of the point of the whole thing? And maybe this was actually, you know, worth doing. I thought that was very cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, the ending does tease that. And I, I cannot express enough how little I don't, how little I care about, Amanda Waller and the Suicide Squad. I don't care. And every single series, every single crossover, everything comes back to Amanda Waller. So whatever happens next is going to be about Amanda Waller. I don't care. I'm not buying it because it's just literally my least interesting thing. Uh, But we do get a very interesting bit with, um, with, with her speaking with a mysterious person. And uh, she ends up giving the Nightmare Stone and the Helm of Hate or the Helmet of Hate to that person. And we don't know who it is. They make a big deal about how they have to keep their identity secret. And they're reborn as Dr. Hate. I, that I'm kind of curious about to see who that's going to be. Uh, this leads directly into Beast World. And I, again, depending on the level of involvement of Waller, I, I might not care. But I, at the moment, I'm going to buy Beast World. But... I can't stress enough how little I like Suicide Squad. Please just don't make everything about Suicide Squad because DC has been great lately. And that would just be the biggest disappointment for me. And finally, we're going to talk about Marvel Comics. 
I got a couple books here to talk about. Let's talk about Marvel Age 1000. Um, this book is a gigantic anthology. And so I can't talk about every issue or every, uh, excuse me, every story. There we go. Uh, but I'll just quickly read out the creative teams involved. Uh, Mark Wade, Alessandro Capuccio, Mattia Iacono, uh, Ryan Stegman, J.P. Meyer, and Dave McCaig, uh, Rainbow Roll, and Marguerite Sauvage, uh, Dan Slop, Michael Allred, Laura Allred, Armando Iannucci, and Adam Hubert, Frank Martin, Steve McNiven, Jason Aaron, Pepe Larraz, Alejandro Sanchez, J. Michael Straczynski, and Kari Andrews, with all the lettering done by Joe Caramagna. Um, there's some very fun stories in here. I want to give a focus specifically to the uh, to the Marguerite Savage and Rainbow Roll uh, X-Men story. It's like a original five X-Men tale with a focus on Cyclops and Jean Grey. And you know what? If they went back and did an X-Men first class like flashback book, give it to this creative team because I loved this. I thought this was charming. Uh, I love Marguerite's art. I think Rainbow Roll has the the right voice to tell this story. Um yeah, just really, really good. Blew me away to the point that I was like, why isn't this a book? Uh, so that's definitely one I really appreciated. Uh, also, the the story with Dan Slott and the Allreds is a Captain Marvel story, original Captain Marvel that I thought was really well done, too. Those two really jumped out at me. I enjoyed the entire book, don't get me wrong. But uh, those are the two that really jumped out at me and made me very happy. So, But overall, the book is great. Pick it up. It's a great little collection to have. And... It, it is a $10 book, but you'll see it's thick. It's totally worth the $10. After that is Blade 2. Uh, so glad that Blade has a new series. It's been great so far. Written by Brian Hill. Pencil by Elena Casagrande. With inks by Elena and Roberto Poggi. Colored by Jordi Belair and letter by Joe Sabino. So Blade's still kind of cleaning up his mess from the last I- issue where he definitely killed the wrong person and helped the wrong people. Um, it does require a, uh, a journey and an unusual team up, of course. And, uh, yeah, I, I really like it. I'm not going to get too much into the issue itself, but, um, it's just really cool. And it, it's, it's definitely a great blade book, but it's also like likens to me, like to that great era of action comics and by action comics, I mean, comics that are action, not the book action comics of like the, the really great, um, Hawkeye era, um, the like the immortal Iron Fist era almost, or even like some of that Daredevil era. The just the the pages are laid out in such a great action way, and everything is a lot of fun. It kind of reminds me of actually the most recent Black Widow one, too. So, uh, just a really great pedigree of things that it recommend that it reminds me of. So, that should tell you the quality of it. I really like it already. It also does reference Bloodline, so yeah, I'm here for that. <laughs> so Next up is The Incredible Hulk number three. Uh, this one is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Nick Klein, colored by Matt Wilson, letter by Corey Petit. Um, this is continuing this monstrous Hulk arc and uh, with him uh, basically not wanting to be around anybody, which is a very common Hulk thing. However, this uh, teenager Charlie following him around and him just completely not happy with it. But it's a really great issue to kind of develop that relationship, develop what's um, like why he might want to have her around and why she might need him. And 
And also to kind of like emphasize the difference between Hulk and Banner as they are now, which is always a good thing to kind of like establish. You want to make sure you know where you're at with that. Um, but yeah, great run so far. I really want to know what Hosway thinks of this book because it's definitely his style of Hulk. Um, but very, very good. Very much enjoying it. After that is Ultimate Invasion number three. I did not know this was a four issue mini, so it's almost over. Uh, but I enjoyed this issue. Written by Jonathan Hickman, penciled by Brian Hitch, inked by Andrew Curry, colored by Alex Sinclair, and lettered by Joe Carmagna. Uh, so we get to see, like, it's a very Hickman story, and I love that uh, because Ultimate, the Ultimates originally, you know, was. It did. It definitely went off the rails a bit for some people, and I get that. Um, this one is not grounded. It, it's it's more universally enjoyable, I guess is the word I would use. And I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. Um, I love the maker. I think he's such a great bad guy. I think he's one of the best bad guys Marvel has access to. And the fact that he is an evil Reed Richards is one of my favorite things because evil Reed Richards makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, very enjoyable one issue left. I'll definitely give a full series wrap up at that point. Next up is moon Knight annual number one. This is the continuing of the contest of chaos story. Part four written by Jed McKay art by Chris Lee color by Ruth Prianto letter by Corey Petit. Uh, so we definitely we get Moon Knight and we get uh, Teguki, uh, who is from Tiger Division and is kind of like their Superman, I guess is the best way to put it. He's very, very powerful. And it's them fighting while hunting for well, in the area of the Jersey Devil, which I thought was an amazing thing. And they're fighting each other. And I think this fight was so unique compared to the other ones so far, because literally Agatha is just like hey, I know this isn't really fair because, like, Moon Knight, you're you're basically a good fighter and, you know, you're a god. <laughs> and so it's just like, she opens up the chaos magic of it all and we start seeing alternate versions of them. And I love these so much. Um, specifically, I will say that I really, uh, obviously, I love Captain Crescent, which is like a Moon Knight-Captain uh, America combination. I loved uh, the sacred tiger spirit of Teguki. I thought that was a really cool idea. It looked great design. It's so good. And then both of their final ones, uh, the specter, who is the moon knight who took over as god of the moon after killing uh, Konshu. And then the Silot incarnate version of Teguki is just so cool. I love these. I love awesome alternate versions. And I absolutely love the resolution of the fight because it's very Moon Knight. Like you, you get what you don't get what you expect with somebody who is legitimately as crazy as Moon Knight. So that makes so much sense to me. Uh, but very, very good. I thought it was uh, an interesting addition, and I just cannot wait for everything to come together. What's going to happen at the end of this? It's going to be exciting. So, what a great crossover this has been. Next up, Spider-Man India. My only Spidey book of the week is Spider-Man India number three. Uh, this one's written by Nikesh Shukla, penciled by Tadam Gadyu, inked by Scott Hanna and Elizabeth D'Amico, colored by Naraj Manon, and lettered by Joe Karab Magna. Um, I love this because we're seeing, like, obviously we see the parallels with 
with uh, the traditional Spider-Man stories. And this is the one where Peter embraces not being Spider-Man. And we get the his version of working for the Daily Bugle and slandering himself and making money off of it. And I really like it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I think the the little cultural differences to how the like the the workplace works and like um i think it's really interesting and i I, it's something i'm thoroughly enjoying um this has been a great run i really dig it and uh i want to see what's going to happen after this because it's really teasing a lot of really good stuff including like this overwhelming conflict with the lizard and like everything going on so just 100 enjoyable great book it's been really really good and finally, Krakoan books. I only got two. Miss Marvel, the New Mutant. And this one is, of course, written by Iman Vellani, star of Miss Marvel, as well as Sabir Persada. Arts by Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorham. Colored by Eric Arcenega and lettered by Joe Caramagna. Uh, coming into this new era of Kamala being a mutant, being a member of the X-Men, and just literally, like right away addressing that she's torn between all these different identities torn between the champions torn between the avengers the inhumans and now the x-men which is just an overwhelming large overwhelmingly large group of heroes and trying to find her own spot in it and there's so much really great imagery in this and i will get into the specifics of it um but it's just a really well put together book uh, i also really really like uh, I, I've always liked Bruno. I, I I just think they're I love their relationship. I think it's just amazing. I also really like the idea of her getting away from her family into the town. Gives it a little more freedom and uh definitely obviously gives me that um ultimate Spider-Man feel, like the the or not even ultimate Spider-Man, but like Miles Morales feel of like at a fancy school, a little bit more freedom, don't have to make excuses to your family every time you do something. Um really, really great. There's also a fantastic page where she tells Bruno the truth about what happened to her and just the way it's laid out, the way it progresses is just absolutely perfect. It's one of my favorite pages of the week. Um, I like the book and the new costume just everything about it. I just really thoroughly enjoyed this. I've always been a Kamala Khan fan and I just, I want to see where this goes. So it did its job. Very, very good. Also great cameo appearance by the new X-Men. So good stuff. And my final book of the week is Wolverine number 36, which is Weapons of Vengeance number or part three of four. Uh, this one is written by Benjamin Percy, art by Jeff Shaw, colored by Brain Burrito, and letter by Corey Petit. Um, as Logan and Johnny are trying to catch up with Brom, this horrible demon-possessed child that's just uh, brutal, um, we do get to check in with Jeff Bannister and he gets saved by Talia Warroad. So thank God someone used Talia in this story because she is my favorite. I love her. Um, but things progress to a certain point and I won't go st- uh, like blow by blow, but the demon ends up getting taken out of the child's bi- body and put into Wolverine, which gives us the amazing code name of Helverine. Love it. It's dumb. It's fantastic. I love comics. They're so bollocks. So, Wonderful stuff. Um, we got one issue left, and it's going to be Ghost Rider versus a uh, demon possessed Wolverine, and that's going to be bloody and violent, and I can't wait. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Those are the issues that I had this week. 
Uh, do not forget to check us out on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. And you can find Josue at Josue Reads Josue. You can find my guest Manda at Manda Lodon at, on Twitter as well. Find the show at WHI Podcast. On there, you'll get an announcement every time a new episode comes out. This will be a complete list of all the books that we reviewed, including the entire creative team. Uh, this will also be a link to the episode and timestamps for each individual publisher. So it's the easiest way to get access to what we do. Also follow our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. Uh, that is our musical playlist building show that is currently on hiatus, but might be planning to come back soon. We'll talk about that in a bit um, once we have some solid plans. But check out our old episodes because it was a lot of fun. Uh, once again, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. And follow my co-host, Josue, at Josue plays Hostway on Twitch, uh, where he goes on there, plays a bunch of games. When Jukebox is on, he does a listen party. It's a blast. So make sure to follow him on there. And check out Jukebox Vertigo's um, uh, network at Certain POV Media on Twitter. And join the Discord, because we have so much fun in that Discord. And it's really, really great to be able to control the conversation and avoid all the trolls from Twitter. So it's a great place to go. And you might find a chance to appear on episode if you go there because there's all kinds of people looking for uh, guest stars. So check it out on there. But that's it. Make sure to, uh, or excuse me, don't don't forget to bagboard and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt A.K.A. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming.